Come on, amen. You know, it is, it is so important that we learn or understand to follow God. I mean, to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Come on, how many followers of Jesus are here? Which, is, which, praise God. But let me also challenge you with this. Do we really know what it means to follow Jesus? Biblically. That's like, that's like saying, well, yeah, I'm a forgiving person. Yet we're bitter and mean-spirited in our hearts, and there's no forgiveness. We just say, I forgive them. And don't walk in, or even to the point where we begin to say, well, yeah, I can forgive them. But you know in your heart that you haven't released them. Are we walking in a place of biblical forgiveness? Do we know what that is? You see, we have to understand some of these things so that we can make a truth-based decision as to what are we doing? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with this walk that I have with Christ? And I want to talk a little bit about that today as we go through this next set of scriptures here in Luke chapter 5. You can follow along in your app. You can follow along up here. But let's take a look at this, and I want to break this down, and I want to challenge you with a few things today. Amen? I do want God to challenge you. If you're not being challenged, then you know what? We're not preaching the word. It's like saying I go to a church that doesn't offend me. Listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be offended. Jesus offended everyone. Oh, sometimes Jesus offended those who were the closest to him the most. He looked at all his disciples and said, hey, if you guys don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? If you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. He does, he, listen, he offended if you're not being offended in church, I'm not preaching the word because the word's going to offend you. Yeah, that's right. And so there's going to be an opportunity for you to be offended today. Don't get upset with me. Embrace it. Yeah. What is God offending you for? I promise you today, I promise you that what God does or what God speaks to you or how God impresses something or squeezes you or makes you go, you know, I don't like that. Or, listen, it's not because of what I say. What I'm saying is just revealing what God wants to come out of your heart. Amen. Yes. A couple of you like that. Hey, adversity in life does not happen to you. Adversity in life happens for you. And what it is that goes on is just what's coming up. The reason that you get upset about adversity is because there's upset in you. If I squeezed the water bottle, why did the water come out? Because you squeezed it. No, because that's what's in it. If there was Kool-Aid in it, it'd be Kool-Aid that came out. What's going to come out? So... Again, please understand, you know, you, you don't have to agree with me on everything. I, I told you last week, you know, you shouldn't agree with me on everything. We're all imperfect human beings. But there should be some places where we're challenged to change. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth, at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house 
And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. In fact, I, I would almost think Jesus could say, you know, they said to him, why do you eat with, and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus turns back to them and says, well, why don't you? It's not what he said here, but let me, I'll, verse 31, and Jesus answered him, because Jesus answers in a nice way here to him. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that your word, Lord God, is loving us today, that your word is loving the hearts of those that are here to hear your word, to hear what you have to say, to hear, Lord God, what it is that you're doing in our midst. God, we ask that you would give us ears, Lord, to begin to hear what you're saying to our hearts and that we could receive what you're doing. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fill us and overwhelm us with a fresh baptism of fire that would move in us to boldness, that would move in us in strength, that would move in us with understanding and discernment for this day. Lord, your word is perfect, and I pray that today, Lord, as we rightly divide your word, that you would perfectly use it in our lives. Help us to understand, Lord, what you are saying in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So here we are in, in this scripture, and what we're going to learn about today is Jesus as a missionary. Jesus was a missionary. And this is very, very important for us to understand. What Luke is doing here is he's sharing something here that makes the church different than other churches. The church, his church, is different. And, and again, let me also be clear. I know you're getting sick of me saying this, but I'm going to say it till I go to be with Jesus Jesus was, is God. Amen. All right, Jesus is God. Jesus is not a man who became a God. Jesus is God who took upon himself flesh and came into this world as a man with a purpose. But he never ceased to be God from the very beginnings before time ever started and through the very end of eternity. My mind can't wrap around that. I don't know how it all is going to work out like that. But Jesus is God from beginning to end, the Alpha and the Omega. Amen? Amen? What makes it different is that we see Jesus as God, that's for sure. But in this world, he comes into human history as a missionary. Think about it. He left heaven. He left the culture of heaven to come to the culture of this world. He left the presence of angels to come into the presence of sinners. I mean, he did that. And, and again, I, I want to be very clear. Jesus, in doing that, did not legitimize sin. Jesus did not, never did, never will legitimize sin. He doesn't encourage sin. He doesn't like sin. I can tell you this for sure. He never committed any sin. He didn't partake in it. He's not sinning in what he's doing. But what he is doing, church, he comes into this world and he comes because he is loving sinners. Amen. Come on, praise God. Praise God. And as he's in this, is this place where God became flesh and comes into this world and he comes to love sinners, he is building. God 
God Almighty, God in the flesh, Son of God, Son of Man, comes into this world, God in the flesh, and he comes into this world to reconcile those who are apart from him as God to use his flesh to draw them closer to him. And this is part and parcel of what he's doing. Why does he want to do that? Because he wants to change their lives and forgive their sins. It's the desire that he has for us. And church, as we see Jesus as a missionary, I also believe that we should see ourselves as missionaries like Jesus is. We, we are in the image of him. We should see ourselves in the same way. And repeatedly, if you just, I just counted, I just looked it up and counted in my uh, concordance just the number of times that Jesus uh, uh, said this in the Gospel of John. Just in the Gospel of John, over 20 times did Jesus say, the Father has sent me. The Father has sent me. The Father has sent me. Jesus was sent. He was sent into this world. He was sent. The Father sent me. The Father sent Jesus as a missionary into this culture. And sadly, many Christians, many churches, only see missions work as something that happens outside of the country. It's something that we have to cross a border or go across a sea to be a part of. And we believe in that. We support that. But church, I believe our mission is to do exactly what God has called us to do, exactly where he has placed us. Amen. Yeah. That means that as a missionary, you don't have to go across the sea, and you don't have to go around the world. Most often, as a missionary, God's calling you to go across the street. Yes, amen. God's calling you to go across the fence. God's calling you to go up the driveway. Come on, amen. Yeah. I, I, yes, oh, amen. that makes me nervous. Hey, Jesus said this. He said, the Father has sent me. Yes. Repeatedly, he says that. As Christians, the Father has, he, two Christians, he says that. And then he says to us as believers, he says in John chapter 20 and verse 21, he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Yeah. You can't get away from that. Last thing Jesus said, Jesus comes into this world. He lives as he lived. He went to the cross. He died for you and for me. He went into the grave. He ascended from the grave. And, he cut, uh, and uh, before he went to his death, uh, he said to you, or before he went back into heaven, he came in and he said, and now and all of those things are true. And I did that for you. And now go. Make you. Go. Make disciples. That's what he said. That's what he told us. That's what he called you to do. This is part of our calling. This is what we have called. Didn't he say also, you will be my witness? So he's telling you, he's telling us, he's saying, go tell people about me. Go show people the love that I have for them. Go out there and confront people in the sin that's in their lives that I died to forgive them of. Get out there and do it. Jesus is a missionary. And if you are a believer, a follower of Christ, you are a missionary as well. That's what God's called you to. So what does that mean? Like these other things we talked about. Well, that's great. Okay, I'm a missionary. What does that mean? How can I be a good missionary? How can I be a good missionary like Jesus? And understand that we are individually, as you leave this place, you go into your world, you go to your home, you go to your neighborhood, you are a missionary as a Christian. But also know this, our church, 
Our church is on a mission as well. The body of Christ here is on a mission as well. We are, we are missional missionaries. All of us together, we are on a mission that's here. What is that mission that we corporately have? What is the mission that you individually have? The mission is to introduce people to Jesus. Our responsibility is to help people meet Jesus. I want you to see this, though. Your responsibility is not to see people get saved. You can't save them. Only Jesus can save them. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus so that Jesus can save them. Okay, it takes a lot of responsibility. It takes a lot of listening. You don't have to go to some seminary so that you can do what God has called you to do. You don't, even need, you don't even need to know how to lead somebody in the sinner's prayer. All you have to be able to do is know how to introduce somebody to Jesus. This is what we're called to do. And let me also say this. And that is not my job. As pastor, that's not my job. My job is not, as pastor, specifically introducing people to Jesus any more than yours is. My job is to train people up into the works of the ministry, which is what? To introduce people to Jesus. That's something that you have to do, and that's not my responsibility. But we've gotten in the church today where we think that, well, that's the pastor's responsibility. That's the pastor's responsibility. I want to make it very clear. No, it's not. It's your responsibility. My responsibility is to bring a message like I'm going to bring to you today so that you understand that that is my responsibility. Am I going to do it or not? That's what you're going to leave today with is this place. Am I going to do it or not? You should. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus. That Sinners would meet Jesus because church, everybody needs Jesus. Look, this is the cool part. You don't know anybody that doesn't need Jesus. Okay? You're not going to come across anybody in the grocery store that doesn't need Jesus. You don't have a neighbor that doesn't need Jesus. Praise God, the mission field is white. It is ripe. It is for the harvest. Amen? Where are the harvesters? Oftentimes, they're just sitting in church. We're going to look at what it takes to be a good missionary. What is Jesus calling us to? What, how can we be like Jesus? And, and again, there's a number of things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks here. And again, I think that it's something that we can help to understand. Look, I'm going to help you to understand something today, I hope and pray. But what you do with it is up to you. So the first thing that we see as an example or what Jesus is calling us to in this story here is the first thing we have to do is follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let's look at verse 27 here and break this down a little bit. It says, after this, and again, what is that this? So Jesus has been out and he's been preaching, he's been teaching, he, he, you know, he healed the leper, he cleansed the leper, gave him his identity back, he went and he, and he cast out demons, he's been healing the sick, he's been doing all sorts of wonderful things. And after all of this, he went out 
and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Now, Jesus, he's been going through all of these things and all these people, and he walks out and he comes into the city streets and, and, and there's this tax collector there. What in the world made him decide to go to Levi? Why did he go to this guy? We'll look at that, but first thing I want you to see is that in this whole thing, this is Jesus as he's out here in the streets, he's acting as a missionary. Look at he is out there and he is on mission. Jesus is, this isn't a sacred meeting. He's had the meetings, he's been there, but he didn't, he's not a sacred meeting. He's not out there surrounded by all these religious people. The religious people end up coming to watch and mock. He's away from all the things that we would consider to be some kind of formal religious thing, which again, he does participate in. Jesus did go to synagogue. He was regular in going on the Sabbath. He was regular in doing those things. He was coming to worship services. Listen, if there was worship services, Jesus was there. If God's people were gathering together, Jesus was there. But I want you to see this, that Jesus didn't just stay there. Jesus, when he left there, went out as a missionary into the streets. He goes out as a missionary to do what God wants him to do. He goes out, not just into the church, church but he goes out into the culture he goes out into the world that surrounds him and jesus pursues a man named levi Uh, that would have been so unexpected levi listen levi is a tax collector that doesn't even need any you know i don't even have to go into the greek to tell you what that is Y'all know, a tax collector. Now, again, I did do some study, and, and there's often I often had just assumed that Levi was the same as Matthew, who was one of the disciples. And I'd always thought that until I started to research this. And there's a lot of back and forth on whether Levi and Matthew are the same person. I'll leave that for you to look up and to you to dig into and to see what you think. But the point, though, is in all of this, We know he's a tax collector. And tax collectors were hated. Tax collectors were despised in that day. Some things never change, do they? (laughs) Levi Levi was this guy who's sitting there and he's collecting taxes. Now, you ever look up, how do you get a job as a tax collector? The way that you get a job as a tax collector is you put a bid into the Roman government and the highest bidder gets the job of being the tax collector because the Roman government was ruling over the Jewish people at that time and so the highest bidder was the one who was able to assume the job as the tax collector. And the way in which a tax collector would make their money then is by overtaxing people. There was a certain amount of money that they were required to tax from the people that would go to the government but the tax collector then was given liberty to squeeze people for additional money to make them feel that that was what was owed. And that's how a tax collector would make his money, by squeezing people and overtaxing people. Now, for Levi, to make it worse, Levi is also Jewish. He's a Jewish tax collector. This guy is is corrupt, and he's ripping people off. He's extorting money from who? From his own people. 
to fund a godless government that was ruling over the people of God. I tried to think of a comparison, and, I'll, and, and honestly, um, the closest comparison was like Levi today. He would be a guy who works for the IRS and is a member of Al-Qaeda. <laughs> there isn't a whole lot that you could do to like this guy less. I mean, there is nothing likable about this guy. Now, Levi is also, because he is a tax collector, therefore, Levi is a man who has a lot of power and would have then had a lot of money. The one thing he was probably short on were friends. Not a lot of people wanted to approach Levi. Not a lot of people came close. They stayed as far away from him as the tax collector as possible. You don't go up and start a conversation with a tax collector because you know he's just going to rip you off. He's just going to use it against you. He's just going to use the things that you say to twist and extort from you. Nobody walked up to a tax collector except Jesus. Jesus does something very unexpected. Jesus approaches him. Jesus initiates a relationship with him. And church, what this is, is this is the doctrine of election. That whole point of, of election, it's where God doesn't, or we don't look for God, it's God comes looking for us. We're not seeking God, it's that God came seeking sinners. And Levi is a sinner. He's out there. Look, Levi's not looking for God. Levi's not looking for Jesus. Levi's not. Listen, he doesn't even get up off his chair. He's still sitting there as Jesus is there in the crowd. He's not calling out to Jesus. He doesn't cry out. He doesn't pursue Jesus. But Jesus comes to him. Jesus comes to him. That church's election Jesus came to him. It's also another word for that that in the translations is calling. Calling is actually a theological term. And in this, Jesus is calling him. Jesus is calling him to what? He's calling him to change his life. This is the calling that Jesus brought, that Jesus came. I want you to change your life, which meant he had to repent of his ways. This is what that place of repentance is. Jesus was calling him, come follow me, which meant you have to repent, which means you have to stop the things that you were doing and come follow me. And this place of repentance in your life will be de demonstrated by literally you walking away from your career, walking away from your vocation, walking away from your wealth, walking away from your power, walking away from your income, walking away from the tax table that had provided all of the security for you and becoming a follower of Jesus. Those were the only choices that he had. Either Jesus, you come follow me or stay there at your tax table. But you can't do both. Church, this is what he's called him to. And what that is is an act of repentance. So an act of repentance in faith. He is repenting of that old way, which means he's turning away from the old way, and now he is going to put his trust in a new way. He's going to follow Jesus for a new way in his life. And, and in this, you know, what we see Jesus doing is, Jesus is not just, and I love this, Jesus isn't just forgiving sinners. Jesus is making friends with them. 
He's making friends with them. And, and he's, in, he's extending an invitation to Levi, and then he will to others, but he's extending the same invitation to him that he extends to each and every one of us. Come, follow me. It's the invitation that he gives to us, which means this. He's the leader, and we're not. You can't follow Jesus while you're trying to make Jesus follow you. Doesn't, doesn't even make sense. You can't do that. He's the leader. We're the followers. It's all about Jesus. That's the first step. So let me ask you, are you following Jesus? Meaning, have you walked away from your sin? Like you, you, you can't stay in that same place in life and follow Jesus at the same time. Have you walked away from sin? Have you walked away from the old way of life, from the old things of life, into what would be Jesus' new way of life for you? That's what following him does. And that's what following him means. And it will not happen without this first step of a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you in a personal relationship with Jesus? Listen, a personal relationship with Jesus means this. He talks to you. He talks to you. He talks to you by his word. He talks to you through the scripture. He talks to you through the small, still voice. He talks to you through the Holy Spirit. He talks to you like he talked to Levi. And then, church, you talk back. And that's called prayer. Look, this is, you, you're going to want to write this down. He talks to us. We talk to him. Want me to repeat that so that you guys had time to write that down? <laughs> Listen, that's a relationship. You can't have a relationship without that. I mean, if I didn't talk to my wife and my wife didn't talk to me, we would not have a relationship. We would not have a happy marriage. We would not have a good relationship at all because there needs to be this place where Jesus talks to us and we spend time talking to him. And that conversation is what begins to build this personal relationship that we have with him. We get to this point where we are willing to leave things behind. And we, you know what? I don't care what in the world happens. I'm sticking close to Jesus. I'm not letting him get ahead of me. I'm not going to stop. I am sticking close to Jesus. And when there's sin that rises up in my life, I'm going to repent. I'm going to come into the light right away. I'm not going to let that linger. It's not going to separate me from my Jesus. I am going to continue to repent and walk in forgiveness and continue to stay close to him because I want to be close to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be near Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Amen. Should be this cry in our heart. That should be step number one for us. Are we following Jesus? And step number two, or the next thing that he shows us here, and again, we may find this Surprising. But step number two is to start a group. Start a group. That's exactly what Levi does. How long has Levi been a Christian or a believer, a follower? Minutes? 
Hours? Probably hours because of what he does here, but it's been a short time. And what does he do? Immediately, he's right into the ministry. Immediately, he is right into church. Listen, he's into ministry and community. Oh, no. Not the whole community thing. Hey, listen, this is really important because some of you have followed Jesus, but you have not come into community with God's people, and you think that that's okay. Like, all that matters is just, you know, just, I just got to follow Jesus. That's all God expects. No. Being in community isn't just a bonus. It's not just for when you have time for it. Think about it. When we became a Christian, we became reconciled to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. But when you became a Christian, you were also reconciled to other Christians in the body of Christ through Jesus Christ your Lord. You, you, the church, I showed it to you and I, I did a sermon on this a while back. There's, there's like, I don't know how many. I shared with you like 20, 20 scriptural commands that is impossible for you to obey without being in community in the, with the body of Christ. You can't. And so there has to be this place of community. So for us as Christians, we are both Christians individually, but we also, when we come to Christ, become members of the church. And therefore, we become in community, on mission with Jesus and people. Well, I don't like that because I don't like people. You can't have, listen, you can't not like people and have the heart of Jesus. Because <laughs> I want you to know this. He not only does he like, love you, but he likes you. He wants a friendship with you. He wants to have in a, in a relationship with you. He likes you. And, and therefore, this is both. Jesus has both of these things. He has, a, a, there's in this place for us, a personal relationship with him and a personal relationship with the people of God. This personal relationship with Jesus and coming into community with people that are like-minded and in a relationship with Jesus as well. Because look at what he says here. And, and I'll explain more of what, what I mean there. In verse 29, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. Now, again, I want you to see what's going on. Levi has just become a follower. He's walked away from all these things. And now here he is. And again, he walked away from a lot. Levi walked away from, he locked, walked away from his security. He walked away from his income stream. How am I going to pay for my house now? How am I going to take care of these camels? How am I going to take care of all the stuff? He walked away from this income stream. He walked away from a crooked, perverse job. All the things that went with it. And church, sometimes becoming a Christian means where you do just that. Hey, look, he, you know what? He called those fishermen. He called them to walk, come, follow me, which meant they laid down their nets and walked away. Well, being a fisherman, it's not like being a tax collector. But sometimes, like for those fishermen, 
I believe that part of the reason was because for those fishermen, they'd been doing that so long that they didn't need any help from Jesus to do that. And it was very easily going to become an idol in their life that would separate them from their need for Jesus. And so there's points and times when God calls us to walk away from some things. Listen, there's no way that you can follow Jesus and not walk away from things. Come on, I mean, just think about it. I, uh, back in uh, Lake Havasu, I had this friend, and his name is Carlos. And Carlos's mom came to our church. Carlos's mom was faithful to everything. I mean, when the doors were open, Carlos's mom was sitting in the second row, just right over on the side. She would sit in the same place every time. With every prayer meeting, she was there, and she would pray for Carlos. Carlos was a gang member in L.A. He was a drug dealer. I later came to find out that Carlos had spent time in jail for killing somebody. Carlos, one weekend, came to visit his mom. And his mom dragged him to church. So there's Carlos sitting in the second row. And again, he was full-blown into the, you know, he was in a Mexican gang. And he looked like it. I mean, he, he looked like it. And lo and behold, I, I still, it's like, Carlos, during that service, stands up and gives his heart to Jesus. This, God answered the prayers of this mom right here in front of us all. And Carlos, he's now got, I mean, he's got all this stuff. I mean, he didn't come to Lake Havasu, you know, with the idea of changing his mind. So now, you know, he's got to do something with the drugs that he's got. He's got to do something with, with these things that he's holding on to. And so he, he comes up and he throws all this stuff away. Just gets rid of it all. Carlos has to give up everything at this point. And Carlos is coming to the revelation of that. In this time, he knows he's got to give up this lucrative income because he had made good money selling drugs. He had a lavish lifestyle. He had to move away from the city in which he had grown up in. And he had to walk away from all of the friends that were like his brothers. And Carlos made the decision to follow Jesus. And Carlos left it all. And he came to Lake Havasu. And we started, became friends. We started counseling. He would come in and he'd talk to me. He, he, I mean, I, I, I don't even, I should probably have brought it in to show you. He gave me this, you know, he, he was just this guy that was in process. And he, he gave me this like little gun-shaped knife. <laughs> that, Pastor, I want you to have this. <laughs> I should have brought it in. I, I, it, it was just like, oh man. But it was from his heart, you know, and he's like getting rid of all this stuff and all these things. And Carlos goes from all this stuff that he'd been in and involved in and over there, you know, I mean, he had a gang name, the whole, the whole thing. And he comes back and he gets a job in a gas station. I used to tease him because he came from all of that stuff, came over and got a job working in a gas station called Terribles. <laughs> and so Carlos is, but in the providence of God, by the grace of God, Carlos, he continues to work in this. And he, got, he gets favor with the managers and the owners. And, and then, not a, again, a time went by, but it seems to me like just a short period later, man, God had promoted him, God had picked him to this place, and they gave him, he was a manager of the store now. 
And Carlos got a girlfriend. We started premarital counseling together. A nice girl. Carlos got a house. God started to put together this broken life. Why? Because he chose to follow Jesus. Church, sometimes that's what's required. And some of us can't understand why we seem so far away from Jesus. It's because you're holding on to all these things that he's called you to walk away from. All these people, well, what are they going to do if I walk away from them? Who's going to be the Listen, your job's not to save them. Quit trying to be the savior. Amen. Your responsibility is to let them, give them a place, give them a time, give them an opportunity to meet Jesus. Stop hanging out and start being on mission. The mission that he's called you to, to introduce people to Jesus. That's what you're here for. And sometimes we got to walk away from some stuff and be willing, not a little bit at a time. Pull the Band-Aid. Come on, just, you know what? Sometimes you just got to go for it. You know what God's calling you to. You know what he's saying to you. Do you have the courage like Levi to, as Jesus said, follow me? And then after that, Jesus gets up, or Levi gets up, walks and follows Jesus. And what does he do next? He invites all his unsaved friends over to meet Jesus. This tightwad becomes generous. Talk about a changed heart. <laughs> It's, it's tough even for God to change a tightwad into somebody that's generous. But immediately you start to see the Holy Spirit that's at work in all of this. He goes from being greedy to being generous. As soon as he meets Jesus, he wants other people to meet Jesus. And what does he do? He throws a huge party. Now some of you got to say, praise God, because this is your calling. You need to know throwing big parties is a ministry. Come on, it is. Some of you know that's your calling. It's part of your ministry. Opening up your home, inviting people over, inviting family, inviting friends, inviting coworkers, inviting non-Christians, inviting Christians to all come together in one place to have some fellowship, to come to where you can get to know others and get to know their lives, building community, creating these relationships, all with the purpose of introducing them to Jesus. Church, that is a ministry. And when you do that, and you should, be generous. God gave his best to you and I, and Levi gave the very best here. When people come over, feed them well. Take care of their, their needs. Make it fun. Enjoy the time together. Look, be nice. Some of you need to write that on the inside of your hand all day long. Just kidding. But do that. Be nice. It goes a long ways. That's what Levi does. Levi does, and Levi, what the Bible says here, he says, Levi put on a great feast. You know what that meant? This guy, Levi, poor Levi, he had to clean his house. He had to get ready for company. This was not a guy that probably had much company. Nobody wanted to go over to a tax collector's house. 
No, 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 we're not going to approach him on the street. We're sure not going to go to his home. He probably hadn't had a whole lot of people in his house. He's not a real popular guy. And now what does he do? He's got all these people he's trying to get over. So what does he do to get them over? He has a great feast. And now he's got to go buy all this food. And he's got to go buy all these drinks. And he's got to go buy, hey, I don't have enough plates. I don't have enough silverware. I don't, I don't have enough coffee. I don't have enough anything. I don't, I got to go out and buy all this stuff now. And he's looking around his house going, you know what? Somebody is going to come in here and they're going to track mud all over the place. And you know what? I guarantee you that during the night, all these guys, I know them, somebody's going to have a little too much and they're going to spill their wine. We're going to end up with coffee stains on the carpet. Church, and again, this is the point. Our homes are not false functional heavens that we set up and we keep so perfectly tidy and clean until we get to go to the real heaven. It's not. Look, this is what we've done. Back in the very beginning in Genesis, the people thought, we're going to build a tower and we're going to take earth to heaven. And what many people have done today, well, that didn't work out very good. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to bring heaven to earth. And I'm going to create my own little heaven in my home. And I'm going to isolate it so that nobody disturbs my heaven. Church, it's no different. It's not a false functional heaven. They're places of hospitality. They're places to welcome people in. God gave you the place that you live so that you could invite others in, that others could come in and experience the goodness that you've experienced, to experience the kindness that you've experienced, to experience Jesus right there in their midst. Because Jesus said before he went back to heaven, he said that he would be with us until the end of the ages. Right? And he will be with us until the very, very end. So when you practice hospitality and you open up your home and you open up your heart and you open up your life, you are showing people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And God is inviting us into this community with him to be his people. Right? That's what he does. He comes in and he invites us to come and be his people. And then we are inviting people to come into our life, to come into our home, to come into our place where we are. We are showing people the character of Christ when we do that. And Jesus promises, I will be with you. Our, our responsibility is to introduce people to Jesus. He's the one who saves. It's by the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, it's the Holy Spirit that leads them to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that brings them to the place of salvation. We're called to invite. He promises, I'll be with you, especially when we're doing these things. Isn't it amazing? You know, God wants to introduce people. God, God, just in this time here, just like Jesus did with this, Jesus, he pursued and chose Levi. He is pursuing, he is calling, he is choosing people. And oftentimes, he will do that by leading them right to you in your home. Amen. Will you open up your home? God wants you to invite people in 
to friendship and love, to have community, to have conversation. And that's exactly what Levi does. And this is what should be the natural, normal Christian life. But so many, because again, out in our world today, so many people have stereotypes of what Christians are, of what Christians do. One of the reasons we have our online church is so that people, before they um, dare to come through the doors, will find out what's going on. Because you got a lot of people out there that wonder how we handle the snakes. (laughs) They do. They want to know how much poison do they drink in one of those services down there. And they want to know what's going on. And so they can go online. And I get, I get at time, I mean, I can go to any public event and I find people that will come up. Usually people that are, and again, just, just usually people that are LDS and they'll come up and say, hey, I watch you online. And they started off because they wanted to find out what's going on down there in that crazy place. Well, It's not always good because a lot of times they have these stereotypes of Christians and that all those Christians are all so cliquish. All they do is just hang out with one another. All they do is form together in their own little cult. And to be quite honest, many of those stereotypes are earned. Because we get saved and we separate ourselves from the rest of the world and we look at them like, oh, you are so awful. Those stereotypes can be broken down if you, the church, would begin to break them down and will overcome them by being generous, by being hospitable, by being friendly, by being nice, by opening up your home and using the opportunities to build relationships, the relationships that God gives you, the, those who he brings into your home. And you can feed them and laugh with them and enjoy them and learn to love them as they learn to love you. Get into their life as you allow them into yours. Hear their story and let them hear yours. Tell them about the faults and the flaws and the places where you've blown it. Tell them about the things that you screwed up. Tell them about the things that are going on so that you don't come across like a Pharisee. Let them know about the places where you've messed up. And enjoy their company. And let them enjoy yours. Let them meet some Christians. Tear down the stereotypes? then invite some nice Christians over when you're having people that aren't Christians. And maybe they'll find out, wow, these people are actually nice. Come on, it goes a long ways. And some of you, some of you may not be bold evangelists. So invite a bunch of people over and then look around the church, the body of Christ, your fellow believers, and invite somebody that is bold. And they'll come over and witness to your friends. That's what the body of Christ should be doing. That's what we should be coming together as. And opening up our homes and doing those things. That's what Levi does. He makes all this possible right away. That's the first thing he does. And again, let me just also say this. These people that he's inviting are connecting in community before they're converting to Christ. They're connecting in all of this. People, listen, church, people are welcome. 
Do you know who these people are that Levi was inviting? These tax collectors and all that. Do you know who they are? Every one of them has a name. You may not know their name, but you can know this about every single one of them. They were created in the image of God, and they are loved by God, and they are cared about by God, and God wants to see salvation come into their life. Every single one of them. God made them, and God loves them. You don't know anybody that doesn't fit that description. People are welcome to connect in community before they're converted to Christ. You need to have some unsaved friends, not to hang out and party with, but so that you can have community and fulfill the mission that Jesus has sent you on, to introduce them to Jesus. Look, you can't introduce people to Jesus if you don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus. So we are on mission. And so what we do, what we do here when we come together on Sunday, this is, this is like, this is the air war. Okay, this is what we're doing. This is air war where we're gathering together and there's preaching, there's teaching, there's worship and, and, and we're just all gathered together in large numbers, right? And then after air war, what we do is we go out into life groups and life groups are where we go into these small groups and we go out on mission together as the church because that is what life groups are. Life groups are different little groups that are meeting all over the community that are on mission as the church, and the whole idea is that as we come together like that, that we would own that mission and that we would take hold of that mission, that we could see people come to meet Jesus and those people that already know him to grow in their faith, to grow and become more like him. And that happens in community, together, in relationships. You sitting together, opening your Bibles together, praying together, opening your home, opening your life so that grace can freely flow and the Holy Spirit can have his way in people's lives. Church, I want you to bring your friends to church. I want you to take them out to lunch afterwards. And then I want you to bring them to life group after that. I want you to do all of those things because we want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread into all the neighborhoods that are going on. And that requires you to do that. Yes, so let me challenge you. Host a group like Levi did. It means carry the expense and make it nice. Emotionally, financially, relationally. Open up your life. Open up your home so that people could come together and you just begin to watch what God does. Amen. We just need to do what he's called us to do as followers and let him do what only he can do. And you know what that's called? That's called the ground war. That's the scattering. So the church... In, in essence, the church, we, we have gathering together and we have scattering. And for us, it needs to be both. It's what God's called us to. We come together as God's people and then we go out as God's people. Church, we, we gather together for teaching and for worship and then we scatter for mission and community. And, and look, Jesus does both. He did both of those things. And that's how the church is built. This is what he's shown us as we would do the mission, if we would follow him as he's called us to and get on mission as he has left us here to be. This is how he begins to grow the church. Amen. It is. Not about just getting these seats filled. It's about getting the seats in your home filled. We have 150 chairs here. 
But if we take every single one of you and count the number of chairs you have in your home, now we've got a church that reaches into the thousands. That's how God multiplies the church, and it requires you. And this is all what Jesus is showing us, because he did both of these things. And we do both because we love Jesus, because we want to follow his example. So we follow Jesus. We open the Bible. We read. We repent of our sins. We trust in him. We walk away from the things that need to be walked away from. We give, give up the things that need to be given up, and we follow Jesus. And then we start a group. Get together and start a group. You know, I know, you may be like Levi's friends. I, I don't know how to do that. I can't. Listen, you know what you can do if that, if, if, is get involved in a life group. And when you start going to a life group and you get fitted into that life group, go to the leader and say, you know what? I want to start a life group up too. Can you help me? Can you show me? Can you teach me? And then those life group leaders begin to share, this is what the heart of the ministry is. This is the heart of the mission that we're on. This is what we're looking for as a church and what we want to do. And you share that. And then we begin to launch those off into different groups groups in different places. Amen. Levi is minutes, and he goes from this absolute non-Christian heathen extortionist to a heart-changed follower of Jesus Christ, practicing hospitality, opening up his home, and launching a life group. Amen? Amen? And that is what we want for you. Worship team, would you come back up, please? Let me ask you this. As a, as a believer, as a Christian, what are you going to do with your life? I mean, what are you going to do with your time, with your talents, with your treasures? Oh, you know what? It's cool to have a nice place. But what if nobody ever comes over? It's cool to have nice furniture. But what if nobody ever gets saved on it? It's nice to have a nice dining room table. But what if nobody ever comes over and opens up their hearts and shares the frustrations and the difficulties and the trials of their life? And what if nobody ever gets prayer there? You know, so much of our American life today, is, as I said, it's about trying to bring heaven on earth. And even as the church, we become then desperately lonely, hidden away in our little slice of heaven, and selfishly we die. Like God, we need to be those that are willing to welcome people in. Yep. That means that we got to be okay with the mess. And we got to be okay with the confusion. And we got to be okay with the different personalities. And we got to be okay with the different spiritual places in which people are. We got to be okay with the inconvenience. We got to be okay with the expense. We got to be okay with the frustration that comes with it all. Do you know why we got to be okay with all that? Because that is how lives are changed. It's what happens. And that's how God works. This is what God is revealing to us. He comes to earth. And that's what he does. He gathers and scatters. This is exactly what he does. 
He comes, listen, as I said at the very beginning, Jesus comes to earth on a mission. And then he calls you and I to join him in that mission. And church, what will we do? What will you do? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, oh God, we come to you and I thank you for the examples that you give us, Lord. But man, Lord, it seems so hard. And, And Jesus says, listen, it will be. And it will be so worth it. Oh, when that first person comes to me and gives their heart to Jesus, when that first person experiences this born again, forgiven of sin, release in their life, it will be worth everything. Oh God, let the church arise. Let the church arise. The field is white. It's ripe unto the harvest. And let us see ourselves as missionaries, Lord, in that field. That you have sent us into this place to do what you've called us to do. To take the responsibility. Listen, I'm not responsible for for getting people saved. I just need to introduce them to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for your church to take hold of the calling. That you will speak to each and every life. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would pour out your your very presence with a fresh baptism of fire, that you would help us to hear, help us to have the courage to receive what you're saying. And then I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the power to do what you're calling us as the church to do, what you're calling me as a son of God, a follower of Jesus to do. Oh, because I can't do it without you, Lord. This message today, church, is for everyone. So in your own self, listen, decide. What will you do with the message? What will you do with the message today? Because what you decide has big implications. God has spoken to you to do or ask of the Holy Spirit to give you the power, the strength the courage to do it
right, church? First, let me say, gentlemen, I look forward to seeing you tonight. I, I, you know, I have a word that I want to share with you, and I love the idea of breaking bread together. But church, for everyone, church is about to begin. As you leave this place, go be the church. Go be the followers of Jesus Christ. Go be the church. Amen? Go do what you learned. Go invite somebody over. Go invite somebody tonight. Go begin to get on mission with Him and doing what He's called you to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? I love you. God bless you. Have a beautiful afternoon. God bless. Go be the church. Oh